Please open your Bibles to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Now, I hope that it's excusable when a pastor preaches a sermon that he's preached before as long as he tells you. Because I'm going to tell you, I preached this sermon in November of 1987. I do keep track of it. So it was 16 years ago. But I hope that in it, I can give you a little rule of wisdom that the Bible teaches for you to have a successful life. Right. Because a life is a big word. It's a short word in that it only has four letters, but it's a big word. If I were to tell you God wants you to live a life that is pleasing to him, that's too big of a concept for our little minds. And the Lord has reduced it in a way that we can understand it. Everyone in here has some long-term projects, mm -hmm. some long-term goals, some long-term temptations that you are dealing with, and there is only one way to effectively deal with them, and that is one day at a time. Right. I believe the Bible is God's word, and every word of it is true. And I believe that everything that we can see in the natural creation was created by an infinitely wise creator. We do not have days as an accidental period of time. Right. Our 24-hour period of time is by very wise design. Amen. And it was very wisely designed not for God, who needed to take six days to create, but for us, my God, who is your God, who is over us and in us, could have created in a fraction of a nanosecond. Right. But he chose to create in six days, 24-hour periods of time, arranged in a certain pattern for our profit. Right. And I want to show you that from the Bible. Living life one day at a time. Everyone in here has some long-term goals. When I look around, your particular long-term goals come to my mind. Yes, I'm able a little bit to do that. And you know how we get there? One day at a time. Yep, right. Watch this from Psalm 90, where Moses tells us how to live. Now, I love a man when he's 120 that he's able to write and tell us that men live to be 70. Yep. Mm -hmm. Let's read Psalm 90. Beginning at verse 9, I want to read to you four verses. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Right. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Amen. Amen. I want that 12th verse. Amen. I want you to have that 12th verse. I want you to remember that 12th verse. Amen. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The days of our years. Notice that a life is broken down into days. The days of our years. It didn't just say our years. It said in verse 
10, the days of our years are three score years and 10. God breaks our lives down into days because a day is a capsule of time that you can manage by his grace. And he will give you grace for a day. He will not give you grace for tomorrow until you get to that day. But he'll give you grace and renew your strength day by day. I want to show it to you from a Bible. And I want you to be excited that day by day, you can train your children. Day by day, you can wait for a spouse. Day by day, you can live a holy life. Day by day, you can finish your degree program. Day by day, you can survive temptation. And so we pray every day. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, one day at a time. I hope you see it here plainly. Let me read it one more time to you because I want you to remember this verse. Psalm 90 and verse 12. So teach us to number our days. It must be something we don't do by nature, and we need to be taught it. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom, our lives, Go like a tale that is told, the ninth verse, and they're over. How can we slow them down so that we can live them in a way that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ before whom we shall soon stand and give an account for each one of those segments of time that he gave us? Heavenly Father, in a few minutes, by your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit, bless me to convey to these people a little bit of understanding of your great creation and the order in which we should look at our lives that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. O oh Lord, teach us to number our days. Mm -hmm. Have mercy upon us. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I've said it four times now because I want you to remember it. It's a great verse. Come back to the Bible and let's look at where the days came from that we live. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Do you believe God made everything well? Amen. Did man mess up a whole lot of it? Amen. Did he mess up the number of hours there are in a day? Yes. No. Brother. Oh, don't get me on the daylight savings time problem. Man messed up a lot of things, but he didn't mess up the number of hours in a day. You may write me emails about that one. Genesis chapter 1. God made a greater light to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night. And he ordered the days to have 24 hours in them. And I want to remind you of what I've already said once. He could have created in an instant of time, but he didn't. He chose to create in 24-hour segments of time for our benefit. Right. Remember, all the world knows that a year has 365 and a quarter days in it because of the movement of the sun. They've been able to figure that one out. They all know how many days come in a month because of the movement of the moon. They've been able to figure that one out. But why are there seven days in a week? I've been over this before with you. I want you to love the Word of God. Now, they're able to figure out the other two because it's revealed in the creation. But how do you have seven days in a week? Why do the Japanese have seven days in a week, and the Chinese have seven days in a week, and the Americans have seven days in a week? Because of the revelation of God's precious word. And I love this word. 
That's why they have seven days in a week, because God told them to have seven days in a week. And the whole world, six billion strong, has seven days in a week, because it's only known by revelation. There is no moving heavenly body to tell us that there are seven days in a week. It's all from revelation of the, of the Word of God in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where we have the days laid out for us, and God rested that seventh day. And throughout the Bible, it's a seven-day week, and the whole world, they can deny the Bible, and they can deny, deny the God of the Bible, but they admit it every time they get up on a Monday and stop working on a Friday and have a two-day weekend. Praise His glorious name. Amen. Love the God of the Bible. And we need a seven-day week. If you work hard six days, what do you feel like at the end of the sixth day? You are wasted, as we say in our household. You're wasted. But if you take that seventh day for rest and to come into the house of God, what do you feel like on Monday morning? You're ready to go again. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. But let's forget the week. Let's look at the period of time in which he created. Genesis chapter 1, all the way down through chapter 2 and verse 3, we have days described to us. Let's look at the first day of creation just very quickly. Verse 3 tells us, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. You know, there are some that say these days back here were very, very old, I mean, very, very long. Some of these days were eons of time. These are people that want to say they believe in God and also believe Charles Darwin's speculations that evolution is the way by which we got here. Forget it. The evening and the morning were the first day. Part of it was called day. Part of it was called night. We all know what that is, don't we? That's a day. It's a 24-hour period of time. You go to Exodus chapter 20 where the Bible describes creation in six days. Shalt thou labor. And the Lord created all things in six days. We have a 24-hour period of time, and God created it, and it's very good. He could have created all at once, but he wanted to reinforce to us that a human being, one of us, functions best in a calendar that involves days, and those days are 24 hours long. You know, man didn't sit around a campfire at the mouth of some cave after having beaten a rabbit to death with a stick and decided that the best way to live would be a 24-hour period of time. God chose all this, and there's wisdom in it if we will look and learn. Because Moses said, teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. How do I know that Moses wrote Psalm 90? Don't push me on that one. That's just the superscript that we have from the Jews that tells us that Psalm 90 came from Moses. It doesn't matter who wrote it. Because it came from the Lord God. Amen. He's the author of it. Amen. We don't care who took the dictation as much as we care who gave the words that were dictated into a man's heart. Right. The day. But now look in verse 5 and see what else it says. The last sentence of verse 5. And the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the first day. When God created a day for us to live in. Remember, he didn't need this day. He could have created everything in just a, a second of time. And the second's way too long for him. He's not bound by time like we are. Right. The evening comes before the morning. It's the evening first, then the day. It's the night, then the day. You know, America lives this way. We grab a day, and we live it with all the gusto. And we're talking about Americans in general, not Christians. We live it with all the gusto we can, and we're exhausted at the end of the day. 
and that we fall into beds, and the night is a period of time for recovery. And so we are letting life, life happen to us, and we play as much as we can, and we use the night for recovery. But in God's plan of things, the night comes first before the day because the nighttime is preparatory rather than for recovery. It's always preparatory. You go to bed first with a plan for the next day. I'm going to bed now, not because I'm exhausted from today so much as I am preparing myself for what I'm going to do tomorrow. Remember, the Jewish day began at sunrise, sunset, and extended to the sunset 24 hours later. So you always entered into a Sabbath day with preparation the night before. You were ready when you met God on the day of a Sabbath because you had spent the 12 hours before that sunrise preparing yourself with the evening coming before the day. Now we've switched things around and I am not here proposing that from now on we try to reverse the calendars and the, and the culture of America. But what I want to do is suggest that when we go to bed at night, it is always looking forward, not looking back. You know, Americans run themselves ragged and fall into bed without any thought for the morrow because they barely survive today. But when we go to bed, we want to go to bed with a prayerful attitude for tomorrow and use that 12-hour period in preparation to accomplish as much as we can that next day in serving the Lord. Teach us to number our days that we can apply our hearts unto wisdom. And one way to do that is to change a mindset that looks at the night as purely a time of recovery. Look at the night as a time of preparation for the next day and look at that day and say, Lord, one day is over and another is beginning. This is before you go to bed. A new day is beginning. Bless me even while I sleep with physical strength and teach me in my sleep and prepare me for my job tomorrow nice. to serve thee better. What book in the Bible tells us that God teaches men oftentimes while they sleep at night? The book of Job. What chapter in the book of Job? It's the chapter with the answer to the whole book of Job. The key to Job. Very close. Job 33. Job 32 is where Elihu introduces himself, but chapter 33 he says, God oftentimes deals with men while they're laying in their beds. And we want to go to bed committed for that next day because we want to number each one of our days. God's given us days of years. Our life is a string of days. It's like a string of beads. If you want to have a successful life, you've got to take each one of those and pinch it off by itself and live it to the glory of God. Teach us to number our days. Don't let these, don't days rush by? Weren't we just here seven days ago? We've had seven more days. Do you know when you sit down with a calculator and figure 46 times 365, it's a big number. And you think, I've had so many. God's been so gracious. I went to bed and I woke up from that sleep. And God took care of me throughout that day. 46 times 365 is a big number. How do you get a hold of a life? Our minds are not big enough to get our arms, our mental arms, around a lifetime. But we will soon be laying in a bed. We will soon be facing the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we live a life that is pleasing to him? One day at a time. Amen. One day at a time. The issue is not what you're going to do with your life. That's too big for you or for me. The, the devil will use that to depress you. The devil will use that to crush you. And the question is not, what have I done with my life? That's too big of a question. Only Jesus can forgive what you've done with your life. The issue is, what am I going to do today? And what have I done today? 
by narrowing your life down to the capsule form that God created one day at a time. He is not holding you responsible for past days because we confess them. He is not holding you responsible for future days because you are a man and only he is God knowing those days. In fact, he says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you have today. And may the Lord bless us today to ask ourselves all the right questions. Have I prayed? Today. Have I loved my spouse? Today. Have I read God's word? Today. Have I confessed my sins? Today. One day at a time when we meet before the Lord Jesus Christ, if we've done it successfully one day at a time, that is a successful life. God made this division. I didn't pick 24 hours, nor did Moses. God picked it. And he picked the evening coming before the morning, and he expects us to look at days the way he did if we want to be wise. And so we will look at an evening as a time to pray in preparation for the day that follows upon the night. But that's the way God looked at a day, and it is a different mindset. If you'll think about it, instead of just crashing into bed, recovering from the one that just happened, but going to bed with a goal and a plan for the next day, and you can put it in writing. You know, you can have a little book beside your bed, and you can write down what you expect to do by the grace of God on the next day. That's the most sober time to write down what you're going to do the next day. Because you know what usually happens in the morning? You're barely getting to work on time. That's not a good time to write it down. Write it down the night before and commit it to the Lord. Help me sleep this night and teach me while I'm sleeping that I can do what I ought to to please you with the daylight hours that are coming. Right. Living life one day at a time. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1. I've quoted to you. Now we look at it. I want to show you some Bible verses that teach this from beginning. Well, we started in Genesis 1, and it runs through the Bible, that our lives are measured in days. That little chunk of time is not by a social scientist. That little chunk of time is by the Lord God himself, and there's wisdom in it, and we want to focus on that. 27.1, I quoted it, now we read it. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Right. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What God gives us is the present, and the amount of the present that he gives us is a day. We can get our mental arms around a day, and we can say, today I need to do these four things, and we can do them. Once in a while, we'll fail. Something will come up unexpected, and we will not accomplish our goals for a day. But you know what? I'd rather have us losing days than losing a life. I'd rather have us losing days than losing years. If, if, our, if we can minimize our losses to a day where we didn't get everything done that we should, and we won't always, we've minimized our damages and the losses. We want to live one day at a time. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus taught this principle very plainly. Oh, there's a, there's a number of expressions in the Bible because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. <clears throat> if we start worrying about next month and next year, that's too much for us. He just wants us to trust him one day at a time. Look at Matthew 6.34. Take therefore, 6.34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amen. Now there's a lot in that one verse. Don't worry about tomorrow. 
because that'll take care of itself. There the Lord Jesus Christ is blocking off time. Anything beyond today is too much. Don't worry about it. Grab today. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. You're going to have a big enough task resisting temptation and living a holy life today. True. Today. That's the block of time he cares about. And let's become very day-oriented in our lives. Not week-oriented, year-oriented. You know, children always want another birthday. They like thinking in terms of years. Let's be day-oriented. Instead of thinking, am I going to get these children trained and, thinking, and be thinking of ultimate goals, long-term goals, think of what can I do today toward the training of my children. And all it takes is a little bit done every day. Doesn't all of nature teach us that? Do, ant hills build, do ants build a large anthill in one day? Or is it one little grain of sand at a time and pretty soon you've got this monstrosity in your yard that wants to wipe out your lawnmower because a bunch of ants decide to take one grain of sand at a time and put it in the same pile. And you can do the same thing a little bit a day. And the Bible teaches us that. Right. A little bit done every day. You know, we're told to go to the ant a couple of times in the book of Proverbs because they're wise. They're very wise creatures. They know the little bit of effort done consistently without spending too much time in the lazy boy gets the job done. And if we break our lives down into days, like Jesus taught us right here, don't worry about that block of time out there that's very intimidating. He's in charge of that. He is in charge of all of it. The Bible says of my Lord Jesus Christ that he knows the end from the beginning, and he declares those things which are not yet done as though they were already passed. Right. No, that's no problem for him, but it's a big problem for us. So we just take care of today. Don't ever sit in an assembly like this and say to yourself, but I've got tomorrow. I've, I'll, I'm going to do that someday. I know what the pastor is preaching is true, and I ought to do it, but I'll do it later. I know a man that said that once. His name was Governor Felix. That's right. And Paul preached to him and reasoned to him of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. And that governor trembled sitting in his throne, in his chair. He trembled at the preaching of Paul and he said, I'll call for you when I have a convenient season. He did not use the day of time that God gave him and the day that the Apostle Paul preached to him. That was a precious period of time, and he squandered it. King Agrippa said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, would to God, I had fully persuaded you that you would be just like me. He wasted a day. What is before you today? There are, there are melancholies that are historians. They worry about the past. God forgives the past. Right. Confess the past and forget it. He lets us start over every day, if you will, by his free forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus. Right. Forget the past. Focus on today. Then there are the timid ones that worry about the future. He's got the future in his hand. What's that little saying? I know who holds the future, and I know he holds my hand. Is that how it goes? I'm sorry, brother, they didn't teach that in the Catholic Church. How does it go, brother? And I know he holds my hand. That's how it finishes up. That God, I don't know the future, but I know the God that holds the future, and I know he holds my hand. He'll take care of that block of time that's too big for me. But what are we going to do today? Today's the Lord's day. Today's the day that he's given us. We're all alive. We have today. 
We will give an account of this day. This is a block of time that God, the Lord, through the Lord Jesus Christ, will ask us about when we stand before him. We want to use it very wisely. I hope you can see Jesus here referring to this very principle. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. You know, when you think about savings, can you save up a large amount in a savings account in one day? No. Or a week or a month? I mean, savings is a little tiny bit done consistently over time, and it amounts to a huge amount of money. It can if you do it consistently. Yes. And if there's a little bit of interest coming in on it, it amounts to a large amount. Just a little bit done consistently day by day. You know, put away $1 a day. Put away $1 a day at interest and forget about it. And live for 50 years and see what kind of a sum you have. Now, it won't be as big these days as it would have been 10 years ago, but it'll still be a big sum, and all you did was a little tiny bit every day, and all of you waste far more than a dollar a day. And it would amount to a lot. It's what we do every day with these little blocks of time that God gives us, and he wants us to manage them, and we can manage a day. Do you realize that? You can manage a day. You have the mental capacity to manage a day. Right. He did not give you the mental capacity to manage a week. That 168 hours is too much, but you can do a day. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, here's the exhortation from Paul. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We have within us enough evil to depart from the living God. And how, do we, how often should we exhort one another? Daily to hold fast our profession of faith in Hebrews chapter 3. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Again, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll look at another verse in this chapter where our Lord Jesus Christ taught his sermon on the mountain. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11. This is a faith-based life. This is faith-based life. Matthew 6, 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not, Lord, I can't see how I'm going to eat next month. Do you know how the Lord gets you through a month? One day at a time. Give us this day our daily bread. One day at a time, we start the day out by saying, give us this day our daily bread. It is the block of time that God's given us. We can manage it. We can trust him for it. And he'll take care of us. What if he strings us out, trusting for our bread every day until we die? Does he do that? Yes, that's the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Has he always provided every day for you? Yes, yes he has. Give us this day our daily bread, and day by day by day, he will take us all the way until we meet him right. and spend eternity with him, and there'll be no night there. It's one glorious eternal day. Amen. One day at a time. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, I'm a melancholy. I talk to myself sometimes. Sometimes my wife hears me. Because I consider her part of me. So she has to endure me saying things like this. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't get it all done. I can't do it all. Now when that happens, 
I've gone outside of the day. I am thinking of too much that's going on in my life that's due the next day and the day after that, maybe over the next couple of weeks. And so there I go around in my sad sack approach to life saying, I can't do it. And she gets to hear a little bit of it, and I have to hear a whole lot of it. I can't do it. And I'm telling you why that happens. I get outside of the limitations that God put on me. Because my brain is so small, my mental arms can only get around a day. And when I start thinking about the stuff that's due the rest of the week and the rest of the month, it overwhelms me. Does anybody know what I'm talking? Amen. You all sit there and nobody nods because you want to leave me naked in front of you. But you all know what I'm talking about. And the solution is, grab the day. Do you know what? I can do what needs to be done today. If I'm wise and I haven't bit off more than I can chew, I can do it. Lord, help me do today. And then, do you know what you get to do? You get to go to bed to be recharged by God, both physically and spiritually, if you commit your soul to Him before you go to sleep for the next day. That's how it works. And you can make it through those days. And we can make it through our whole life and meet the Lord Jesus Christ having lived successful lives because a life is nothing but a string of successful days. And every one of you can live a day that pleases the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, For which cause we faint not. This is the apostle talking about him and his ministerial helpers. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Do you know what that's talking about? Have you ever been whipped someday and pretty crushed down and you just turned it over the Lord, you went to bed, when you got up in the morning, had you been, were you renewed? Yep. Now there's the renewal of sleep, but if you had your spirit renewed, yep. were you ready to take on new responsibilities, new tasks, face those trials again? Day by day he gives us our strength. This is the word of God. It's not some cute little routine of Johnny's. This is the word of God, and it's taught from beginning to end that our lives are strings of days. And he renews our strength day by day. Now, we faint sometimes. Paul didn't faint very often on a long-term basis. You know, sometimes we'll faint in a day, but it renews our strength so that we're able to live again the next day. There's never faint. There shouldn't be fainting for a long period of time if we've chopped our lives up into the days that God already chopped them up into. Days. So what if you faint and lose part of a day? You have minimized the damages like I taught earlier. And you get over it that night before you go to bed. You recommit that you are not to live like this. You're not to faint. Lord, give me strength tonight. And tomorrow, which is really that day in a Bible sense, when I rise... I will do what you want me to do with this day that's before me. Right. And see, so you've minimized the damage of that fainting. You know what happens so often when we let days just tumble into each other, into this mass, this mad rush of time? If we faint here, then we faint the next day, and we find ourselves we've just lost two weeks because we were pretty fainted. We were pretty faint. The Lord wants us to live one day at a time, and he'll give us the strength for one day at a time. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. The Lord Jesus Christ, if the Lord Jesus Christ loves you, he wants you to bear a cross in your life, and he wants to help you bear it so that you will know the fellowship of his sufferings. 
and that you will know how his strength can help you. But do you know how you're to take up that cross? Daily. Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Amen. To look beyond that and try to take a cross for a month or a cross for a year or a cross for a decade is too much. You can pick up a cross daily and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He didn't carry his he didn't carry the literal cross for weeks or months. He knew that it was coming, but he took it up when it was the time for him to take it up, and he wants us to take up our cross, which is not nearly as bad as his, daily. You can pick it up daily. You know, by the end of a day you're tired. And so you give it back to the Lord and you say, I'm going, I've got to go to sleep now. Do you know what the Bible says? Remember the verse we love? Psalm 127, 2? Right. It's vain for you to rise up early. It's vain for you to stay up late. It's vain for you to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Amen. It's the Lord God that created sleep. And a good man showeth mercy to himself and uses that sleep. Right. And you say, Lord, it's all yours now. And he is able to replenish you spiritually physically and spiritually while you sleep so that you can take up that cross again the next day. And we do it every day. Look at the wisdom in the Bible. Does the Bible say, let not the sun go down upon your wrath? Amen. How long does God let you be angry? A day. A day. If you've got to be angry, don't sin and don't let the sun go down upon your anger. He has given you a period of time and you better take care of things in that short period of time. This is a mindset of changing your, of, of looking at life through the eyes of Scripture and shortening down the time frame that you're dealing with so that you don't get overwhelmed by all that needs to be done because you can all do what needs to be done in a day. Amen. Procrastination is saying, I've always got tomorrow. Yeah. They say, manana, right? Manana. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. No, let's do it today. Today's what the Lord's given us. Procrastination is not using today well enough. If you know that you ought to do something, when should you do it? Today. Today. If you can squeeze it into today, you want to do it today. I love David when he said, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Right. He viewed a day as an important period of time. When you hear something that you ought to be doing, don't say in general, I ought to do that. I ought to be doing that. Say, I will do that today. I'm going to do that right now, today, so that we use these periods of time that God gives us. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. Because your life is a string of days. The right. days of our years may be three score and ten, but it starts with today. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And if God is merciful to us, tomorrow we will have another day. But if we look at each one of those as the first day of the rest of our life, we will have a string of days that when we are together in that room someplace with the oxygen hose, and we are looking at each other and saying goodbye for the final time, we can do with confidence knowing as I read to you from a proverb this very evening, we can have a blessing from ourselves because we know that we have walked daily with the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully through our lives, one 
day at a time. If I preach on prayer, you can't think about, I want to pray every day for the rest of my life. The issue is praying today. Right. If I preach on child training and family planning like today, don't think about what you ought to be doing over the next month. What can I do today to put some of that into practice? Because we are all awesome procrastinators unless we use this limit of a day to show our conviction and commitment to what the Lord shows us. Was I a good father today? That's the issue. Not, was I a good father this past year? Jesus died for that. He's given you today. Was I a good father today? Was I a good wife today? Was I meek today? Did I pray today? Did I avoid temptation today? Did I work smart today? Today, we ought to do those things. Don't worry about what have I done with my life. Do you know what the person looks like who answers the question, what have I done with my life? They're horribly depressed because it's too big of a time period. Jesus died for what you didn't do with your life. He's already forgiven that. What have you done today is the issue. And see, you can rectify that right now. We're going to walk out of here in just a minute. And you can rectify what you've done today. If you haven't done what you should have today, you can do it before you're in bed. Most of the things that count with God, because he doesn't require great periods of time. That is a huge difference between saying, what have I done with my life? And it's overwhelming. I haven't done very much. You know, you can start to beat yourself down, and that's a fiery dart of the devil. Jesus died for that past. Jesus didn't die for that for the devil. But he did die for those past days for us. And don't you let him discourage you with a fiery dart. Forget those past days. Forget the future days. What can you do today? What have I done today? Each day should be lived as if it's the last day before Jesus Christ comes. Some of you, I sent the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards to you a year or two ago. Do you remember those resolutions of Jonathan Edwards? Some of the noblest resolutions that an man, uninspired man has ever put down. He put them down when he was 18 which shows his very precocious spiritual ambition to please the Lord. But in those resolutions were a couple that said that I will live my life each day, one day at a time, as if it were the last day God allotted to me in this world. And right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, teaches us to do that. We are to be looking for the coming of the Lord and to live our lives as if we're having the last day. When God came to Abraham and said, I want you to offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice, did he take a week to work himself up to it? Or did he rise early in the morning and take Isaac to Mount Moriah? That day, he rose up early in the morning, saddled the ass, and took off for that mountain because he was going to do that day what God had told him to do. If you give yourself a day, if you've committed to an exercise program and you don't do it the first day, what is the probability of you doing it the second day? It is very, very low. If you commit to something and you don't do it the first day that you have available, the probability of it being done the second day you have available is very, very low. When God con convicts us of something in, in a period of time called a day, we want to do it right then. Because if we squander that period of time, we'll be like Felix. You know what the Bible says of him? I'll call you when I have a convenient season. You know what it says next? He left him there for two years, and then another man came into his office, and Paul was left there, and Felix never had 
that next time that was convenient because it's never convenient unless you do it today. We should seek to number our days by counting them one by one. God is not going to suffer and put up with us forever. There's some day where he'll draw a line and say, I've given you so many opportunities, I'm going to withdraw some of my grace now because you haven't used the days I've given you. Verses like this, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. That's a proverb, Proverb 29.1. So we want to use our days. God made the beauty of a day. He's made us able to mentally get our arms around a day. He's made us spiritually able to live a day. The evil of a day is all that we can handle. What's going to happen tomorrow is in his hands, and he holds our hand. What's in the past was paid for by Jesus Christ. What can we do today to please him more perfectly? I hope that we can walk out of here and do what we ought to this very day. And if Jesus Christ tarries tomorrow when we have another day, that we will do in that day what we ought to do and not ever be putting it off, but living a string of successful days so that when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we give an account, we can give an account with confidence and joy like the Bible describes. Mm -hmm. May the Lord bless all of you to remember that perspective. And let's live our lives one day at a time. What is my job? My life is to be spent warning every man and teaching every man that I may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.28. I know how you can all be perfect one day at a time. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Amen.